Hey guys, welcome back to the Adrian Bow podcast featuring Troy Malcolm. This week, Adrian, we're going to do something special. We're going to bring a recent skills workshop that you and I both hosted that we send out to the entire McGraw network on a weekly basis. Now, listeners, you're going to get this pretty much every fortnight, but what it is is tapping into the skills and challenges and objectives and traits that you need to use out in the field to make your business grow. Adrian, why did we do this and why is it so important in the field right now? It goes to my love, uh, Troy, which is that paradigm between motivational and practitioner work. So I always made a commitment if I ever coached or trained agents that I could share dialogue and strategies and systems and checklists that they can implement into their business the same day or the next day and move the needle with listings and sales because that is our KPI and that's what we're measured on. And I like to have my agents achieve immediate results from the work that we do. Hey, listeners, if you like this, rate it five stars, send us a review, send us questions, because we want to make sure that it's relevant for you every single week. Enjoy the episode. Guys, welcome back. Episode number 24 of the Skills Workshop with Adrian Bowe and Troy Malcolm. Adrian, happy Friday. Nice to see you again. This Great feels like uh, Groundhog Day a little bit. We cover <laughs> off so much content and we feel like sometimes uh, the content that you guys provide us is equally important for us to learn as opposed to what totally. we're putting out. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Can't thank you enough for all the questions that you're sending in. Adrian... Last week, we spoke about buy work on the auction floor. Yeah. All right. We're going to emphasize that and kind of go, right, across both private treaty, private sale, auction campaigns, expressions of interest, every single format, Mm. there's a certain element of negotiation that has to happen. And negotiation in this day and age is completely different to what it was 30 years ago, right? Buyers are more savvy. They have a lot more access to technology, to intel about what's been happening in the area. Yeah. How do we make sure that we negotiate with a level of integrity, transparency, honesty, yeah. and make sure that we're still approving, getting, achieving and seeing those results for yes. our clients? Okay, the first thing we've got to remember is it's got less to do with the numbers right. than it does with the outcome and the objective and the almost emotion that goes into it. So the numbers are almost academic to a degree, okay? Mm-hmm. So the buyer has to feel like they're getting some value and the owner has to feel like they're getting the best possible price. If you can achieve that objective, then honestly, you, you are going to win. So there's some basic dialogue, Troy, yeah. which from the buyer's point of view, it's like, you know, if they've offered a lot less than, than what the owners are expecting or a lot less than what you think that is worth as an agent, the first question you need to ask them is, Troy, are you offering this because that's your maximum budget or do you genuinely feel that's all it's worth? Because if you can qualify that, the rest of it is easy because if they say to you, Adrian, I'm really glad you asked that because that's my maximum budget, well, then as the agent, I can say, you know what, Troy, I'm really glad you've told me that. We've just saved ourselves days, if not, if not you know, weeks of, of agony and, and negotiation oh, yeah. and frustration because the owners are not going to be selling for that today, tomorrow or next week. But good news is I've got three properties which I think are going to suit your price range and I'd love to show you those tomorrow. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's great. I, I, I mean, I love this home, but if it's out of my realm of, uh, of price range, then that's fine. And it's not in a patronising way. No, no, so, no, no. It's just yeah. like, you know what, you're protecting the owner's position, and let's assume that the person's offered 20% less than what it's ever going to sell for. Mm. Like, you're better off having that 30 seconds of courage, like we do with our vendors when we're giving them current reality, yeah. um, having that 30 seconds of courage with the buyer as well and say, current reality, it's just inconsistent with what we're what the market is and what the 
owner's expectation is. Good news, I've got three other properties. In fact, my colleagues just listed one, I've got one, and I know another agent up the road's got one, I'm gonna show you all three of them, right? So that's better. Now, if they say, well, Adrian, I'm glad you asked, you know, subjectively, I do genuinely feel that that's all it's worth, even though I've got a higher budget. Right, that gets a bit more interesting, right? Mm. Because then it is a negotiation piece. It's not just an affordability piece, okay? Right. Then when it gets to that point, it's like, okay, um, what is the opportunity cost of you not buying this house and not paying that extra $60,000? Oh, what do you mean by that, Adrian? Well, how many more Saturdays are you going to invest um, and dragging your family, looking at other property? How many more hours are you going to invest looking online on domain? Um, what current rent are you paying? And mm. what's the opportunity cost of that versus locking in at some, some interest rate with a three in front of it yep. for the next two, three, five years and potentially actually having lower repayments than what your rent is, yeah. for example? I mean, there's just so many opportunity costs of not moving quick um, that you need to highlight that as well. And then... It's a matter of saying, well, you know, is if price is the only obstacle of you and your family moving into this house, just because you subjectively believe that that's all it's worth, then let's let's have a look at at what other homes are in the price range that you're offering. And if they are inferior and not up to your standard, well, guess what? You may not have a choice. You may have to go to that next um, chapter, that next episode or price bracket for you to actually satisfy you and your family's requirements, you know? So it's just a matter of having a practical, mature, professional discussion and not having that desperation around, oh, you've got to buy it. If you don't, I've got three other buyers. I mean, every agent in Sydney yeah. says that, right? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's really something that's, that's, that's over done and it's almost cliche so i don't think you need to go there it's like look i'm confident and my client's confident that this house will sell um, at or around the price range we're suggesting i'd love it to be you but if it's not that's fine i've got a lot of inquiry and i'm sure within days or weeks we're going to have this property sold but i know your your kids have already chosen their rooms i know that they go to the local schools um, and i know there's going to be a high opportunity cost for you not to secure this house or another house in the next 30 days. So have those mature professional conversations. So Adrian, I guess I get a sense that you're comparing properties that are on the market as well. Sure. Justification of value. Not just comparable sales, because comparable sales can be three, six months in some circumstances, some areas that we represent the McGrath brand. Yeah. But if it's three months ago, then sometimes the market has shifted. Yes. So by comparing it to properties that are currently on the market, yeah. uh, shows great value, especially if the property is inferior that they're comparing against. Yes. Because what you're going to then play on, I guess, is their emotions yeah. and their commitment to love the house and pay that little bit more or pay in line with what you've been quoting. Yeah, and it's not a matter of taking advantage or, no, or anything like that. And when we, when we say inferior... It may not necessarily be something that's that's a, a worse quality property. What it might be is that every buyer has an area that they're not negotiable on, yep. and then every buyer has an area that they're willing to compromise on. Yep. So what I mean by that is if you've got two cars, both um, you know, European sports cars, the total value of half a million dollars, mm. double garage is something that you're probably not going to negotiate on, right? Yeah. Um, and if you've got four children, you know, um, a pool or a backyard is something you're not going to negotiate on. That's something you've just got to have. But And everyone's got an area they're prepared to compromise on. Some people might 
go on a on a busier road mm -hmm. to get the pool or to get the double garage. Okay? Yes. Some people might might be prepared to buy under a flight path to get that extra bedroom and that extra study. So Correct. you know, there's no property that doesn't have its inferior qualities and yeah. no property that doesn't have standout features. So you've got to, as a detective and a buyer, as an agent rather, work out what's important to your client yeah. and then appeal to that in terms of what the property offers them. Well, we know that some areas uh, across the eastern states of Australia, properties that are unrenovated that haven't been touched for like 20, 30, 40 years, yeah. they're the ones that are in most demand at the moment because people yes. really want to get in. They've got the block analogy. They want to yeah. get in and make it their own. So right. I guess we use that word as a bit of a throwaway, but exactly what you're saying, you've got to make and meet the needs of the configuration and the standard yeah. of each one of those buyers and really tap into what resonates with them. Because we know when buyers are emotionally engaged, they yeah. are willing to be flexible around price and like you said price is actually irrelevant yes. uh, if everything else is, is covered off absolutely uh, we spoke about the frequency of contact throughout the course and working with those buyers and having that pre-buyer meeting are you seeing a bit of a trend that now agents are onto the buyer nurture side of things they're starting to call buyers a lot more uh, yes, definitely. So I feel that if you've got buyers committed to your property during a campaign, then there's nothing wrong with daily contact. So again, the difference between hustle and hassle that 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 uh, that line is quite dissolved. I think you know yeah. keeping in contact and just advising them as you would your vendor. If you told your vendor that you issued another contract, I'd be calling your buyer. The incumbent buyers are already interested in the property that you've issued another contract. Yeah. If a buyer's dropped off, tell them that as well. So that's for a campaign based. If you're dealing with a top 10, 20, 30, 40 buyer list, then I'd say twice a week yep. would be the frequency and, and weekly face-to-face -face, and a weekly email would be the frequency that you... Because frankly, you're offering vendor-like service to your top 10 to 30 to 40 buyers. And that is regular contact, great uh, um, affability, great rapport building, and, and value add as well. Yeah, and given spring is the time of the year that we're seeing so many listings come onto the market great listings coming onto the yeah. market, a number of campaigns and success throughout the group, it's important to double down on that buyer activity, I think. Definitely. So whatever buyers you're working with, whatever your hot buyers are, finance approved, ready to go, maybe miss out on another property, now's the time to build influence with them because chances are the competing agents that we're in most areas that we operate, mm. they're not doing this work. They're yes. disregarding those buyers and they're not nurturing them or caring them enough to actually see it through to the result that they're hoping to achieve for their clients, yeah. right? Such an easy strategy, guys. Hopefully, that's made sense. Episode number 24, Adrian, thank you so much again. No problem. And I can't stress the importance enough of working with buyers. Let's face it, a buyer makes part of 50% of the transaction. And the, so, the focus from so many agents still seems to be on listing, listing, listing. I mean, you can, you can, if you had no listings, no momentum, you could literally find a buyer tomorrow who's a hot buyer and yep. you can have a transaction and a deal done within seven days and get 10 referrals off it if you're serious about it. Okay? Yeah. So remember, a buyer makes 50% of the transaction. The other thing is, Adrian, that just came into my mind, guys, there's a great number of expired listings that have happened in the second Amazing. half of this year. Yeah. Why not connect the buyer with one of those expi expired properties yeah. great strategy to get an instant result with a vendor that's probably suddenly uh, their emotions are slightly heightened and more motivated to get yeah. a result if that's what they're choosing to do absolutely all right guys we've enjoyed seeing you again again on a friday morning episode number 24 coming next week to you again friday morning to make sure we cover off all the relevant topics to help you in the field on a saturday and the week ahead keep sending your questions in troy malcolm at mcgrath.com.au gonna get it right this week adrian bow at mcgrath.com.au guys enjoy the week 